Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. This week, once again, I am joined by the live studio audience, PC Tunney, and the lawyer himself, David Ungar. Unfortunately, Ray Cash, one more week away from us, should be back next week. He did, of course, send us his votes for the final leg of the DC Marvel Decathlon. That is the highlight of tonight's or today's episode, whatever you're listening, um, is going to be our final, uh, our final categories for the Marvel DC Decathlon. Uh, got both the go- uh, votes from Ray Cash and from one Christopher Platt. Uh, you are, as I mentioned before, listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. I am still podcasting from the isolation chamber in the basement studios here. Yes, indeed, folks, if you've listened to anything where my name has come up during uh, this past week of Chairshot Radio Network broadcasting, I I tested positive for the COVID. And so, yeah, so I've been uh, living in isolation and I did four podcasts in the last 48 hours, three of them with PC Tunney. So how you doing, Tunney? Welcome back. Can't hear a word you're saying. That's okay. Then we're even now. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've missed you. It's been so long. Oh. Yes, it's been like two hours. 
No, a lot of quality quality content. If you if you are looking for more things to listen to, and you just regularly check into Bandwagon Nerds, go ahead check out uh, Chair Shot Radio. Good hockey talk this week. Patrick O'Dowd with the boasting. Um, check out DWI podcast. Patrick O'Dowd was on the show, and then Greg, Patrick, and I just recorded, which is out now as you listen to this podcast, a impromptu wrestling conversation in IWC for the IWC top five wwe wwf title reigns of all time starting in an era that begins uh, a modern era that begins the day hogan beats the iron Sheik. so go ahead and check that out yeah it was a lot of fun to do that conversation um dave i, I gotta tell you they they stole from our playbook in doing the top fives they they used the bandwagon nerds model uh of top five lists and rightfully so because there were a lot of that's on my list. You guys did the top five title WWE championship reigns or just title reigns in general? World title, world title world reigns. Title. So, well, so either the WWE, the WWE, it was only, it wasn't the world heavyweight championship wasn't involved. It was the WWE world championship, which is, you know, what do they call the WWE championship now? And you, the universal championship was added in as well. Probably not the deepest list of all time. Well, we went with top five. I mean, I think we all had a Cena run on there. Um, CM Punk's run was up. Patrick didn't. Greg and I each had a different Cena run. Uh, Patrick and I each had a different Brock Lesnar run. Hogan's was on there. Um, uh, CM Punk. Uh, so as we spoiled the podcast, hopefully, hopefully by now they've listened to it. <laughs> yeah, but they I don't mean, know what order. Yeah. They don't know what order. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Savage had a good reign. One year reign. Someone said Savage. I had an honorable mention. He was my he was my number five there. So I spoiled that one. Roman uh, Roman's current run. Yep. So yeah, go check that out. I'm sure we'll have Dave in, on one of the next impromptu um, wrestling conversations uh, in IW, and we'll give out more IWCs for the IWC in the near future. Right. It was a really rich conversation. It was a lot of fun to have um, today. As I had to I had to get a kick. And in addition to Marvel, DC, Decathlon, we're of course going to continue our coverage of The Witcher. We are on episode four, though. As Dave and Tony both, uh, I threw you both off. As apparently I autopiloted and changed The Witcher show number twice <laughs> in writing the rundown. So my fault. We're going to do one. We're gonna we're gonna do like a drive by the trailer park uh, because there. I just I could not talk about uh, the Moonfall trailer that was dropped this week. Roland Emmerich's next movie. We have some news regarding or news around the Nerdosphere, uh, history in the world of the comic book industry, and a network on the verge of possibly being shopped around. So quite a bit there, uh, and we'll get it started like we tend to do uh, these days, and that is with a little bit of music. We are going to toss a coin to our Witcher. Toss a coin to your Witcher, oh Valley of Plenty, oh Valley of Plenty, oh. Toss a coin to your Witcher, oh Valley of Plenty. And Dave, I brought it up last week. When were we going to see our friend the Bard, who I've already forgotten his name? Yes, because that's you. Uh, what's that? Jaskier? Jaskier. Or what? Kazuntai. Tony, how do you pronounce it? Uh, I don't 
No, gastric. <laughs> Not gastric. Gastric. Just, just gastric. answer it. Answer it the way that I answer uh, um, questions on the podcast. The fuck if I know. Fuck if I know. <laughs> that was fun. It was. It was good. Whatever, uh, whatever his name is, he's back. Uh, so. Shit. Right. Um, yeah. So let's get into it. Uh, we we continue to. Uh, learn more about what's going on with Siri and her powers. Some reinforcements show up. Uh, my concept of time, guys, was really thrown off in this episode because it seems like only yesterday Yennefer was, you know, being, you know, was running away from the the witches, but her like best friend was there, and then now best friend who again i can't remember her name shows up at the uh oh tris redhead tris yeah redhead. Tris. Redhead. i think yeah. you had it right dave jaskier yeah i'm, lo- I'm actually looking on uh, there's actually sites how to pronounce it it is jaskier with a hard j wait no i don't know yeah i think it's jaskier fuck yeah jaskier keep going pat we're gonna we're, tony and i are on it man <laughs> you and Tony are on it. Something's weirds going on with my Skype. All kinds of the technical difficulties that we could ask for today are happening here on Bandwagon Nerds. It's almost as if Craig DeMarco is running the program instead of me. Wow. So I know I did. It. He will admit, you know, Craig's fault. Hashtag Craig's fault is not an accidental thing. But I uh, I may end up uh, leaving the call for a second and coming back. That's that's how bad this is. But um, before we do that, um, yeah, so we get Geralt training with Siri. We get the return. Uh, again, I already forgot her name. What was her name again? Tris. Okay. Tris. Redhead. Yeah, the redhead. I like Tris. <laughs> Very vague. Uh, I mean, she uh, she comes to investigate what's going on with these creatures uh, and trying to figure out the root cause of how, how and why they're all showing up. Um, but also it allows for an opportunity for her to connect with Siri. Uh, and they do, they have uh, some, some moments there. Also just a kind of nice to have a reminder to these, these dudes that uh, you can't treat a teenage girl like a, uh, like a, a witcher dude in training, like just kind of the stereotypical, like bunch of dudes don't know how to act around a young woman sort of thing. So we get like a matronly figure in, in that, in that little, uh, that episode in that exchange. But then we also, we do continue to follow Yennefer on the run. Uh, and she is with, uh, again, I'm forgetting names left and right today. Drink if you haven't, um, but they're looking to get out of um, basically looking to head to the north or head to the south. I, I'm, Dave, help me out here. I am way off. I'm all the, out of sorts. The, right guy, with, Milf, the guy with Milf, Yennefer? Milf, Nilfgaard? Yes. Oh. Um, they're running to Nilfgaard. What's his name? Oh, it starts with a Milf, C. Nilfgaard. I'm drawing a blank as well. Kahir. There you go. Kahir. Kahir, Kahir. <laughs> Did we lose Patrick? He's back. Patrick. We're good. I, all right. So just, I, I jumped out of the call for a second. So it's, I think it's Kahir, Patrick. And it, and it looks like I was watching a quick clip from season one of The Witcher, and it does sound like Geralt calls him Yaskir. So. Okay. Again, Gazoo tight. You're welcome. 
So yeah, so they are trying to make their way to Nilfgaard after um, after Unifer decides not to execute him, and they hear tale of uh, a man who will smuggle um, elves out of um, out of out of the the country uh, via boat, and he goes by. Um, I can't again. I'm forgetting everything. I, I just watched this episode. I'm having real troubles today. I'm really sorry, everybody. This is terrible. Um, it's the COVID, folks. That's what it, the symptoms have finally well, started. Well, yes, the symptoms that I have not been experiencing are going to show up now. It's it's more of it's just been a lot of it's just been a lot going on today. But anyway, um, they they end up discovering that this person who's responsible for 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 smuggling people out is Jaskier the Bard, um, who is got a new tune out. Um, we get it played out, out of the way, and it's all about Geralt on Geralt because, well, he feels like Geralt ditched him. He's not wrong. And he's not wrong, but it does allow um, you know through his work, it does. Um, it does allow Unifer to escape. Um, Unifer and um, Kahir. Would you say it was Kahir? Kahir. Kahir um, allows them to escape. Uh, we also Geralt um, is sent to Istred by uh, Triss to learn more about Monoliths. Um, so we're getting we're getting more into the story behind uh, Siri and the source for her magic, as she may actually be able to in some way, shape, or form, create more witchers. We, we learned that as well. So, Dave, bail me out here, because or, or Tony, one of the two, like, help me analyze this episode, because clearly I paid, like, two, uh, a third of the attention I needed to. Tony, you want to take this, or you want me to uh, run with this thing, my man? You watched it this morning, right? I did, I did. I watched it a couple days ago. Go All ahead. Right. So... As usual, where we are in this series is you've got branching story arcs going on. You've got Kahir and Je- and Yennefer uh, on the one side, and they're, as Patrick mentions, they're trying to escape from the city where birds have now turned into wanted posters alerting the local local folks about their fugitive status. Meanwhile, yeah, you have Geralt bringing interest to help him with Siri, and at the same time, trying to figure out whether a mage had created the, the mutation of the uh, of the Leshy that infected Eskil. And in the course of that, they discover uh, there was something called stalag- stalactite, not, not a stalagmite or something like that. But anything, it comes from a monolith, which indicates that they also discover then then I think the big thing later on, like Patrick was alluding to, Vesemir is out in the forest. He goes to visit Eskel's body, which has been picked clean by the wolves. And then he discovers these blue flowers that only form from the blood of elders. And apparently it's the same blood that Siri has, and now they realize that she's got the capability to create new witchers, which is a big revelation. And then at the end uh, after Yaskir helps Yennefer and Kahir and the elves escape, then Yaskir gets abducted and taken away. And now it looks like Yennefer is going to try and rescue him. I thought the coolest part of it was Yaskir and Yennefer's reunion, which was always a tense relationship to begin with. 
but right. he he has the most poignant statement of the whole thing where he says, I don't think chaos is done with somebody like you yet. And I think that leads into, you know, how does Jennifer get her powers back and when? Because she, as we saw in this episode, has turned into a bit of a liability because without her powers, she's pretty ordinary. Um, so that's that's what I took away from the episode. And yeah, like you said, Geralt gets teleported away to uh, talk to the and I don't remember this wizard's name um, or mage's name, but to talk to him about monoliths. And and I guess we're going to find and yeah, and Siri does reveal a little bit about her powers further to Geralt saying how she screamed and toppled a monolith. So yeah, I, at the end of this episode, I was like, all right, I want to go on to number five now and see what happens. Well, and, and we're at the halfway point now of the, of the season. So we're, we're, we're going to start seeing the, the action, I think really ramp up. Thank you for reminding me of the end of that episode. Is it nine episodes? I'm counting eight. Yeah. We're in, this is episode four. So exactly halfway through with uh, this episode being titled Redanian Intelligence. I did. I finally, I finally got to the episodes. Um, Tony, your thoughts on this episode. Are you going to watch episode five early or twice or what are you going to do? I'll probably wait till next week to watch it. Um, I, I don't know. I've just really been not in love with this season. I guess um, I'm hoping business picks up. Is it is it just sort of what you were talking about in the last episode? That just you like sort of the smaller scale stuff, and this is kind of all over the place, or? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I just I think it in compare. I think I keep thinking in my mind how much I I enjoyed the first season, and I don't think I really remember the story the way that it's being presented now. So it's just a little bit different. Not that it's bad; it's still really good. I'm going to watch it. You know, but um, I'm just not as into it as I was last last season. So it's fine. I, I hear you. It's fine. K. It's K. It's okay. Yeah, that's that's good. And, and I I will say this episode didn't hold my attention the way some of the other ones did. I'm interested, Dave. What what was it about you and you watching this that you're like, man, I want to watch episode five, like right after we we do we finish the recording on the podcast yeah i just want to see what happens to uh to yennefer and, and yaskier because i'm looking forward to her getting her her powers back and and what's right, gonna and what's gonna be the trigger for that but i you know i just i wonder if that's not gonna happen till episode eight or seven seven or eight like that's kind of the conceit of of shows right like you got to get it towards the climax and one of the big moments would be just just when she needs to use her powers the most, that's when they return, that that, that the chaos uh, comes back to her. Uh, you know, we're also I, I'm I'm actually just more wanting things to pick up with Siri a little bit. I just doesn't it's not moving fast enough for me uh, for her to get to that badassery that we seem to know that that she's going to reach. Um, and that's my own impatience. But. Yeah, this episode clearly, uh, and I apologize, noble listener, like it didn't hold me uh, the way some of the other ones have early on so far. It just it kind of was it was a little slow. I'd give it an okay. If we were nerd reviewing it, it'd be about a two point seven out of five. It'd be it'd be a it'd be a middling episode for me. Yeah, I liked it more than that. I mean, I, I think I think the stuff with uh, I mean, there wasn't much in the way of action. That's for sure. It's more exposition and storytelling. But 
uh, you know, you did get the reintroduction of the Bard, and you got a new song, and you learned a little bit more about Siri, and I, I think, and got- you did get, you did get the introduction of the New Kingdom, the Redanians, um, with that whole scene at the very beginning, which is a little bit interesting, and you've got to figure, okay, how are they going to factor into this whole situation? That reminded me. I'm trying to. I got. Let me see if I can find the name of the actor. Graham McTavish has the has the. Um, was he like a bodyguard or a, a seer? I don't. Um, but Graham McTavish, for those of you who don't remember him, uh, was one of the dwarves. I remember him as one of the dwarves in The Hobbit. Uh, um, and I can't remember which which of the dwarves he was, but he was one of the like true warrior dwarves. Like he was um, Thorin's number two in in The Hobbit, and was one of the kind of like the cooler looking dudes, and looks just all sorts of badass. He spent a lot of time in this episode shirtless, and for a uh, I don't even know how old he is, but I can only hope that for he's like a sixty year old dude. Um, as I'm looking at, he was born on January fourth, nineteen sixty one, so he just celebrated a birthday. Uh, man. I'm not, I know I'm not going to look like Graham McTavish when I'm 61. He's in tremendous shape. Bit of a, I almost have a little bit of a Henry Cavill level crush on, on Graham McTavish uh, after one episode of, you know, he's a silver fox without the hair. And that mustache is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Strong mustache game. So, yeah, I guess we'll have to see it. Maybe business picks up uh, as we get, get past this. We're definitely going to have Yennefer dragging along um and say his name one last time for the audience kahir 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 Kahir. Uh, dragging along to to rescue our bard friend because that's what friends do and at the end of the day even though they act as if they have a disdain for each other it is kind of shown that that there's an affection there that there's some sort of bond that was created out of being comrades in arms yeah assessment it's going to be uh, interesting to see where I, th- I think I think, yeah, I think things are going to ramp up significantly in the back half of season two, at least as I that's what I've heard. So we'll see what happens. But um, I, I think, you know, with Geralt being back investigating monoliths, you know, I, I like how, uh, how Vesemir said, yeah, you said you weren't going to go back to Sintra like three times ago. So, um, yeah, famous last words, famous last words. Exactly. So, all right. Well, there we are. We're in the middle of this uh, this season, exactly halfway. We are turning the corner towards the end of season two. Uh, so things things have got to start picking up and, and get it, getting on getting on the move again. Uh, we didn't hear really anything from Nilfgaard this week, so uh, I'd be interested to see what their next play is going to be as well. Uh, with that, we will take our first commercial break already. Uh, when we come back, we're going to do a quick visit to the, to the trailer park before hitting some news around the Nerdosphere. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right. Well, welcome back, everyone. Probably one of the worst episode coverage segments in my career on my part. Uh, and it just just not my best work, fellas. Dave, you and Tony, spot on. Well done today. You, in fact, good job. <laughs> Patrick O'Dowd. Yeah, I, I deserve it. I, I deserve it. Uh, it's true. Real quick, live studio audience. Reverend Ray Cash. Yeah. Oh. I know, right? Oh. Tough, think? Well earned reputation on his part, Tony. I mean, yeah, he's he is the he is the heel of all heels. Um oh. on the bandwagon nerds. I tough crowd. It's just a tough crowd. Uh Dave, it's a it's a brief one. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the Rodney Dangerfield. I, I like that. Uh, for those of you who can't see, Tony straightening his tie. No respect. Um, My wife said we need to talk more after sex, so I called her on the telephone. Yeah, good joke. Classic joke. We could do that all day, uh, and that, that's a wormhole. I don't know that we need to go down. What we do need to do is quickly, Dave. We are going to pass through. We're going to pass through the trailer park, uh, and so even with the drive-by. I need a little bit a little bit of banjo, so please hit the music. It could have like an effect that put the banjos like in the distant, real faint, you know. <laughs> that would have been oh, talk over the banjos in the background. That'd be cool. Uh, maybe like a slower sort of lazy banjo tune. What would be nice for for the conversation piece? So the king of disaster movies. Can we get a harmonica maybe in there with the banjo? Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, that'd be very nice. Just kind of right. everybody sitting around a campfire. Yeah. Uh, 
I know I like it. We have a uh, we have a jug player and a washboard guy. I mean, full jug band. I mean, if, if that's where we're going. <laughs> All right, I'm done. <laughs> we could we could we could do that and um and then talk about Roland Emmerich who likes to destroy Earth and is working on it again with the trailer for his latest movie, Moonfall, which. There's a lot that happened. Like this trailer dropped, right? Is the latest trailer in this, and it's got Patrick Wilson in it. And it's Halle Berry, so some big time names. Uh, and guys, I don't. Is it aliens? Is the moon crashing into us? Like there's oh, It's just bombastic and noisy, and it leads me to wonder what is Roland Emmerich's fascination with destroying Earth. I asked you, Dave, but <laughs> yeah. it's just fascinating with destroying Earth. I don't know, man, but this this trailer to me, it's like there's there's like that scene where they are driving in the car and they're jumping from one section of the highway to the other, and I'm like, wow, they just plucked the footage from 2012 and plopped it in there. Yeah, I don't know what his obsession is with the destruction of the Earth, but this felt very much like a, a Roland Emmerich uh, trailer all the way, and I, I mean, yeah, I don't know what's going on with the moon. Other than that, it's out of orbit, and there's something in the core of it that's threatened to destroy the moon, and and now you have gravity waves, so that's not good. <laughs> yes, whatever, whatever. Like, and there's a weird podcaster dude who I like. I don't know what his deal is. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm sitting there. I'm looking at it like this is the man behind the day after tomorrow. This is the guy uh, behind Independence Day. This is a guy. Let's look at all those direct. Those direct. He he directed the the he directed Midway. That's a pretty good movie about the Battle of Midway. But even Localized then, destruct. right? But even that was you know a little ramped up on on what was was mostly um like, it was great battle scenes, but it was like good lord everything. Like it's just he hates Earth. He 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 like decidedly hates Earth. Tony. I guess, what did you think of this trailer and disaster flicks in general? Because this is like a weird science fiction disaster flick. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of these, especially when you got the giant uh, moon sand snake that's attacking Earth as well, um, getting his head caught in closing doors, apparently. Um, gigantic battleships outside in space shooting lasers. Is this a... Is this an actual end of days thing or is it a crazy horror sci-fi flick? And that's kind of what it seems to be. I don't, I never really like these kind of movies. Um, so I won't be watching it. Um, and I bet you a lot of other people won't be watching it either. This is something that's going to get released and then go away immediately. Like if it was back in the day, it would be like direct to video in like eight weeks. All right. Well, there's the box office prediction from one PC Tony. Here's here's the thing that blows my mind. I'm looking at this cast. Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, Michael Pena, Donald Sutherland. Like, these are big-time <laughs> actors. Like, what's going... Like, how do you sell Halle Berry, like, Patrick Wilson, Donald Sutherland? Like, here's this script. Because, like, I'm looking at this movie, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, like... Is this is this just a cash grab for them? That is that what we're thinking? We had to see something in the script to to sign on to this thing, but I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, there's so many elements of the trailer that look like something else. Sandworms from Dune mixed in with kind of 
an abyss looking sort of thing that's going on. And, and, and a lot of, I don't know, man, it, it, it I'm not sure I'll go see it. I, I don't think this is one I, this one I probably wouldn't go to the theater for, but I mean, it looked kind of, it looked kind of interesting. I think, have you guys seen, um, you know, speaking of like movies along this, have you seen don't look up yet? I hear that's really good. And it's kind of the same sort you know, of I, thing. It's reviews. I've heard some good, some bad. Honey, Tony, what about you? Ed? I I've seen it. I, I haven't seen it. I've seen that it's out. I've seen what it is. I, I had I have some interest in it, but it's another one of those things where if I put it on my list, it would just sit at the back at the end of it, you know. Yeah, that's true. I, um, I yeah, I have very little, little to no interest in this particular that that movie. Uh, but Netflix sure wants you to watch it. Is boy, boy, have they been pushing the crap out of it? You know, this story needs to be told differently. This story needs to be told like it was told. Maybe by like Orson Welles and or War of the Worlds, where it's more like one person's kind of point of view, right? Like, right. If you could almost tell that story, just having someone in the in the you know studio commentating on what's happening outside in the world and outside world, you kind of really don't get anything but the visual aspect of it. So, I don't know. It's something different for that kind of genre, like you said. I'm not. I'm not a fan. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll I'm just... right. I'm just kind of wondering, you know, with with the world in the state that it's in right now, are disaster films talking about the destruction of the earth really going to resonate with people like they used to? When it was just a fantasy, now it's like, eh. Yes and no. Because here's the thing is if if there's one thing that entertainment has proven, like entertainment has always sort of been reflective of the times. Like I always go back to early 1950s science fiction, which – a lot of those alien invasion movies and, and concern about the other, all of that sort of stuff was a reflection of the Red Scare uh, and the fear of communism and the end of democracy as we know it. Uh, fear of science, like the, the atom bomb, like allegories for stuff like that. And, you know, you look at the last time disaster movies were huge and what was going on. It was the late 90s. We were heading into Y2K. Uh, and there was a lot of like legitimate concern about like in times stuff going on. And, you know, for for lack of a better time, lack of a better way to describe it, just with all the sort of like conflict and what we have like have going on in the world and with news, uh, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that Roland Emmerich is rolling around with another disaster slash end of the, the world sort of alien invasion moon crashing into the earth like whatever the fuck it is uh scenario happening here so who knows more to come maybe it'll get really well reviewed we'll find out in february otherwise halle berry could have another Catwoman on her hands and yikes just yikes all right that's going to do it for the trailer park this week but we haven't played this music in a while either dave but we're bringing it back for the first time in 2022 because we do have some news around the Nerdosphere. And our news around the Nerdosphere this week, we are going to kick it off with just something that we've been waiting for very patiently that we're very excited to finally have happen um, that is going to cause me to jump on Amazon Prime and rewatch some television shows because, or actually a streaming series, because, fellas, 
we got a tweet, and that tweet was a release schedule for season three of The Boys. June 3rd, first three episodes will be available on Amazon Prime, followed by a <laughs> an episode a week all the way through July 8th. No episodes titled, with one exception, we do know on June 24th, the name of the episode will be Herogasm. And I can only assume that refers to a very famous issue from the comics, which I have not still have not read to this day. So I have no context other than I've heard about Herogasm from people who have read the comics. It's like when you hadn't watched Game of Thrones, if you hadn't read Game of Thrones, but you'd heard about the Red Wedding, like it's one of those. Herogasm is, is along the same veins. So Hype Train for the boys, season three. I don't know why they waited until June. I know uh, I got asked that question on the DWI podcast that aired on Sunday. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm on a wrestling podcast right now. And then I didn't bother to, to look it up because I had other things to do, like come up with my top Bad five trick. WWE title reigns. Now that we're on bandwagon nerds, why are we have to wait until June 3rd? Uh, I don't have my answer sheet from yesterday, but fuck if I know. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, I don't know why I was delayed. Give me, uh, Dave, if you want to wax poetic about how excited you are, I'll Google that shit. Uh, well, let's see. The Boys Season 3, yeah. I, I, I'm extraordinarily excited about this because it's one yes. of one of my favorite series, one of all of our favorite series. And yeah, the, I haven't heard enough about the hero gasm episode to know one way or the other about it. But I assume that it resonates very loudly with those who have read the comics and, and they know what it's all about. But yeah, I think everything that we've seen about this show, <clears throat> at least the uh, the the Fox mockumentary sort of mock ups that they do with the uh with the youtube series had just made me more and more interested in, in what's going on especially with huey and 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 the gang and to see you know how they bring in soldier boy and, and that sort of thing so yeah i'm i'm very excited i i'm a little bit disappointed that we got to wait till june as well i was thinking maybe march something like that but so, uh, so the answer is not that exciting it, it's production delays uh because it was initially supposed to be released back in february of last year February 24th, then it got pushed to April. Um, but Laz Alonzo, and then it was pushed to November. Laz Alonzo had reveal, revealed they were one-fourth of the way through production of the series in mid-July. Uh, so they weren't even close to being ready. It was like two episodes were left to be filmed and that there was just a lot of post-production work that needed to be done. And so Amazon Prime decided to make the decision to to delay it. Um and, and just get it done. And it's funny because season one took them four months to complete the filming process. Season two took five. The pandemic really apparently wrecked havoc on this production schedule. And that's why it's taken longer. And that's why we're, we're looking at mid 2022. So there you have it. Fun friend, friends. Good Lord. Um, yeah, I want to see what happens next and I want to see what ha Homelander he is going like he's going off. He's going off, off, off. Like that's off that's 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 where I think like we're we're really going to get into that Homelander storyline. I also hope that we get a few more 
um, bits with Black Noir because uh, I do know uh, if they follow the comic, Black Noir story is very, very interesting. Uh, and so hope that they explore that at some point soon. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, but very, very excited for that. And um, yeah, Vought never dies. Like Cobra Kai, you know, Vought never dies. I, I joke and ask you why it get pushed all the way back. But, you know, you think about it and it's it's like something to look forward to again. Right. You know, there's going to be plenty Absolutely. of things to consume in between. And I guess the, we can start the summer with uh, with the boys. And what a way to go and, and, and start the summer. Plus, gives us something to cover until Umbrella Academy finally gets released, there which 2027. I'm sure there'll be a Marvel series or 10 in between now and then. So, Oh yeah, there's, there's going to be Marvel series galore and maybe I'll be ready to get back in the Marvel series. What is, what is Mandalorian dropping? Probably December. We have if, no announcement yet. Oh my goodness. No. You might get that so, at the end of, um, at the end of Boba Fett this season. Maybe they give you something along those maybe. lines. And Star Wars feels like a mess right now, guys. It really does. Like as we, as we sort of transition to this, like, there, there's shows being canceled, movies being dropped. Uh, I personally, and you'll you'll see this in nerd reviews as we go along. So far, uh, I was I was kind of lukewarm on Book of Boba Fett episode one when we talked about it last week. I, I really disliked episode two, and I'm really struggling with this series. But uh, and and all that faith that I, I know that there was a time where I spouted very positively of of John Favreau, you know, kind of having the keys to the car and, and helping with uh, with Filoni. With Filoni. Uh, I'm starting to lose some faith in John Favreau as the writer of these Boba Fett episodes. That's well, two episodes into they they've got time to turn it around, Pat. <laughs> they do. Maybe not in we'll your see. eyes, but we'll see. We'll see. Dave and I are going to try to get um, we we I was late on episode one uh, of our nerd review for that show, by the way. But Dave and I are going to try to get two out ahead of episode three so that we can get on to so that our regular schedule actually follows the episode that airs. So um, trying to get on track, be on the lookout for those nerd reviews. But let's let's transition. Let's shift gears. Let's let's go to some good news in the nerdosphere and. What I would argue is a really significant story. We have covered this story a couple of times on the bandwagon uh, with image comic workers who have been trying to unionize uh, for the last for the last year. And they finally, this past week, voted and got themselves certified. So we now have the communication, um, sorry, what is it called? The comic book workers united um uh, with support from the communications workers of america voted seven to two in favor of organizing and they are now officially official and have to be recognized by image comics and this is the first unionized comic book publisher in the united states image comics now they get to they get to tout that but image really didn't work too hard to recognize that union until that that union was fully formed and organized. But I just, I can't, I can't stress how big this is 
for the comics industry because this I think could this this has the possibility I'm not saying it's going to this has the possibility of being a watershed moment for other bigger comic book publishing companies moving forward. Dave, your thoughts on the CBWU being official now? It's historical. Like you're saying the first the first publisher to uh have their their writers unionized and I think that like you're saying it it could be the first domino in many to fall. I mean how the fact that Marvel and DC's writers have never been unionized before is is like mind-numbing when you think about it that Image is the first one to go out there and successfully pull this off. And I think yeah, you're it's not going to be long before Marvel and DC and you know some of the other publishers, you know, uh maybe bang or somebody like that follow suit and they get their own guys unionized. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, with, with the comics industry has obviously had their issues with, you know, with a lot of, uh, lagging sales, piracy, things of that nature. And so the writers need to do whatever they can to protect themselves and, and being unionized is one of the best ways to do that. Getting power. Yeah. So I think it, it's great for them and it, and it levels the playing field a little bit and, and hopefully leads to, some more stability, which would then lead to uh, the creation of better product. Not that it's bad by any stretch of the imagination, but just some consistency. Um, images is clearly by far and away my, you know, my third favorite on the list, and 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 a lot of and a lot of the stuff they put out. Invincible is as good as anything you're going to see Marvel or DC put out. Um, you know, Spawn, one of your favorites, Fantastic Saga is is a tremendous series. Walking Dead, of course is now now no more but still uh, it's it's a big deal for image to to do that and, and and you know you look at it putting them kind of on the same level as the big two at this point with something like that going on right and it's it's fascinating the amount of work they had to do to to get this created because what i found fascinating is creative talent in comics i'm reading this directly from a, a, a gizmodo article um they currently don't meet the broadcast or print requirements to unionize with either branch of the Writers Guild of America, and the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America only voted to admit writers of comics and graphic novelists in May of 2020, which tells you a lot about how the world sort of still views comic books as a medium. Uh, because we can argue on this podcast that it's literature till, till we're blue in the face, and yet it, it's still still gets looked at as kid stuff uh, at, at times. And, and that's just unfortunate. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting. There's still some, some work being done in terms of like the process of creating requirements uh, for creatives in the field to join the union. Um, but it does, you know, at image comics give them some, some real bargaining power to help with their working conditions. Absolutely. I, I mean, you raise a good point that um, comics are still looked upon by kids as as kid stuff, even even with the enormous success of the MCU that has not altered the perception as far as the written work goes, that it's just kid stuff. Right. Well, and it's it's something that's fr- like I always get really frustrated in popular culture. We're going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. Um, so this guy's a, this guy's an admitted asshole of a comedian, Bill Maher. But he loves to not only sort of mock comic books yeah. as a medium, but 
but he in, he infant he um I'm I'm not gonna get the word right, but like, he he basically says that people who read comics and find comic book movies um as art are are just children who don't deserve to have an opinion, and it, it's just it's mind and that is not an unusual opinion out there in the world. Even to this day, even though we have this massively popular thing, now there's this, you know, kind of snooty upper crust group that looks down on on this work, the art, the stories that are told, and, and the mediums themselves. And it's just, it's insanity to me that it's the same thing with video games. Like, I would argue, and it took me a long time to get there, there are video games that are art. And that there are there are video games that bring value culturally to a people, and comic books do the exact same thing. And so, this deserves this this artist deserves the recognition, and the creators deserve the recognition that they that they're getting right now. Yeah, absolutely. And the Bill Maher opinion is just, for lack of a better term, uh, dumb as fuck. So we can go on from there. Yeah, it's but again, it's not unusual. Um, it's not it's not something I'm familiar. But I want to shift gears over to something that I'm sure has Tony maybe a little bit concerned because another news report dropped this week that Warner and Viacom CBS could be selling off the CW, which who knows what that means for the Arrowverse. Most are speculating that it'll just push DC's TV future towards streaming. Um, there was a lot of interesting things that came out. So this, this report comes out about Warner and Viacom looking at the possibility of selling off the CW. Uh, we got another article that, um, I think it was from the wall street journal. I can't get past the wall street journals paywall and I don't want to. So I didn't, I didn't read the whole, I couldn't read the article. Uh, but there's been a lot of articles that are also going around that CW wasn't ever profitable for for Warner or for CBS that it made its money off of like international, um, the international markets in some way, shape or form. Um, but that they're looking to, to unload it to someone and you know who that could be. I, I don't know, but Tony, I'll start with you thoughts on the CW possibly being sold and what that could mean for some really popular series on that show. Yeah. You know, I, obviously you listen to this show and you've heard me talk all the time about what a big fan I am of the flash series and then how good I think like Supergirl is and arrow obviously, which is, which isn't anymore. You know, there's no more episodes that that's over. Um, but I think it's actually run its course. I'm actually wanted to start over new somewhere. So whatever rights to DC, the creators from CW and whoever's putting on the show and whoever's all the people that are in charge of whatever's going on there. I hope those rights go somewhere like HBO max and can go ahead and do more DC stuff because they've become the hub for it streaming anyway. Right. And no, nobody does TV better than HBO for the most part. I mean, they might do it as well, but HBO has been putting out amazing series that keep you captivated throughout their, you know, not just from episode to episode, but season to season, I could name them off, you know, but we don't have enough time because there's so many. 
so I almost wouldn't mind a new beginning for um, DC as far as um, the the shorter TV slash streaming format storytelling wise. Um, that's my opinion on it. Even as much as I would miss, you know, Grant Gustin and and his uh, his amazing portrayal of the Flash. <laughs> Dave, your thoughts on this? Before I got a I got a question for Tony based on what he said, but I want to. Yeah, I, I think. Um... You know, the Arrowverse has been immensely successful. I, I can't imagine it was not profitable because they kept expanding that with different series, you know. With a, no, well, they're not, they're not saying that those those shows weren't profitable. They're saying the, the CW, CW as okay. a whole was okay, profitable. May, yeah, just, maybe. The, those series are probably the only thing that kept it afloat over the last however many. It's been 10 years, I think, since Arrow debuted. Yeah, exactly well, 10 it, years. And is it the CW? I don't know what it's like where you guys are, but like depending on where you live locally, it's a, it's a different channel. Like on. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's also kind of a challenge to, to even find it or. It's, yeah. It's a network. It's not a cable station. It's right. free. If you have a digital antenna, you should get the CW just like you get Fox and you get um, Telemundo and, and NBC and ABC and PBS. It's not, they're not, they're not part of your cable package is, is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, right. for for me, the the Arrowverse is is the closest thing DC's got to the MCU because it's certainly not the DC EU movies, which are disjointed and unconnected. The Arrowverse is the closest thing extremely they've got. Connected. What's that? Probably more so connected. It's extremely connected. It's probably more oh. so connected, even though. Even, I mean, you know. it's it's comparable, yeah. And I think you know, right now, when you look at the Arrowverse where they've gone and progressed lately. Um, I think if if you had like a company with HBO Max that could put some backing behind, even if it's not a reboot, if they're just continuing, um, I mean, I'd certainly like to see some stuff get cleaned up. Special effects wise, the Arrowverse has been lagging. I'd say the last couple of years, some of the effects don't look very good anymore. Um, I've seen some tweets that saying, how are the special effects regressing over the years? <laughs> some stuff you could see that that actually adds some credibility to, to that. So, I mean, having them migrate to HBO Max seems to make the most. Well, yeah, Patrick's making the money symbol, and if CW doesn't have the money to you know invest into effects and stuff like that, then yeah, you're going to see the the finished product suffer. But I would love to see that everything just kind of go to HBO Max and, and and integrate it with stuff like Titans and integrate it with stuff like Doom Patrol and really expand further. And and whether it's a reboot or just Doom Patrol, didn't somebody say on one of the early episodes, isn't Doom Patrol a, isn't it connected to the Arrowverse or like uh, Legends the Titans. of Tomorrow? I thought it was, it was connected oh, to Titans, I, right? I thought that one of those characters, though, spun off somewhere from, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm making that up, I'm sorry. I thought like the Arrowverse? Doom, Doom Patrol appeared yeah. in an episode of Titans and then they came out with it. I don't think Doom Patrol showed up in the Arrowverse. Did and it Titans was exclusively on the DC streaming service, right? right. Okay. I see where I see where my confusion is. Tony, my question to you, um, Mm -hmm. you talk about, you know, an Arrowverse kind of reset reboot, like, and say we get variations of these shows. What do you think is brought to the table that on, on an HBO max show? And I think I know the answer here, but an, an HBO max Arrowverse versus a CW Arrowverse. What, where, where do you think the focus goes? Where do you think the change, what do you, what do you think? are there. It's not it's not the Arrowverse though. It's it's right. you're gonna 
you're going to do it differently. So I would try and tell probably the, one of the more popular stories, but I would try and tell it from a little bit different perspective. So maybe we would do, um, the, 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 you know, forming of the, of the justice league and everything. And, and then have it told from a perspective of one of the participants that had never really been told from before. Pick at your choosing. There's a whole bunch of them. You can tell it from another way you want to adjust the story to, you know, 30 to 40 minute episodes, you know, 10, 12 episodes a season. You can really connect those things. You could have multiple streams as well. You could say, this is this part of it. This is this part of it integrated into one thing. You could have, you know, your, your, um, hour and a half special movie kind of event things as well that they do anyway. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Dave? That's a great question, Patrick. Well, Patrick won't like this, but here's my thoughts is that this is set up perfectly to introduce the Snyderverse into HBO Max. You could reboot the 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 Arrowverse with the Snyderverse and just start from there. And then you keep your DCEU movies <laughs> Why do you when I show you nothing but love? <laughs> the interesting thing to me is you could take you could you could use Doom Patrol here too because you have Vic Stone who you could run with that being the spin-off away from Doom Patrol ends and you turn it into Justice no, League. I, I'm one hundred percent serious that you could see there is such an outpouring and a cry of we want this to continue. They're obviously not gonna put it in the movies. But you could do a Snyderverse streaming thing that interconnects and sets up the Justice League moving forward and have the whole Dark Side showdown on HBO Max, and it would draw in subscribers. I'm 100%. Whether it's good or not, it's another story. But it's going to draw subscribers because it's a continuation of something that a lot of people really like. And it's, and it's a perfect medium for HBO Max to use that. And you know if they're not going to continue the Arrowverse, well, let's reboot and start with the Snyderverse. And go from yeah, there. I don't. I think they. I don't think they do that because even the people that want to see that, they'll feel disconnected from the movie, and because it's not the same actors, you're not going to have those people that are worth that much that do movies right, but come in and do streaming. They could start even though over. we've seen people at that level do it for Disney, but it's just you're not going to get those same Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot or Dot or whatever the fuck you want to call her. Uh, Gavel, Miller, Boa, they're not coming in, right? And they don't need Ray Fisher because they got Joy Von, um, what's his last name? Wade. I don't know. There you go. But I, I think, you know, if, if you wanted to reboot the whole thing, bring in different actors and, and start from scratch. And even if, you know, they say, hey, let's let Zach run with this thing because people seem to want him other than Patrick and, and Chris Platt. People want to see him run with this thing. Maybe they do that. I, I don't know. But HBO Max does need a, a they've got a couple, you know, you got Titans, you got Doom Patrol. They probably need something that brings in the bigger heroes because we're going to talk about the heroes pretty soon. HBO Max could use something like that a, a, as a big anchor to draw people to that to that hub. <sighs> OK, um, here I was just hoping you were going to say something like maybe an edgier, grittier Green Arrow can be more what he wanted. That. It's Snyderverse. Edgier, grittier. There you go. Don't yearning for more Arrow storytelling. I can tell you that maybe, right now. Maybe he's going to swear. I don't know. I'm just giving you a hard time. Well, I, I do think, um, honestly, out of all the DC properties that have existed as a show in some way, shape, or form that I would love to see get another crack at it, 
uh, this is going to sound funny. Constantine is one that John Constantine is always a character that I've found interesting and sorry that you don't like him. I like him. Not, you know, not the Keanu Reeves version either. The, the short-lived show that was on, I can't remember what it was on. Was it a part of the, wasn't it part of the Arrowverse? No. So what happened was the Constantine show was on NBC. It ran two seasons. I think it was NBC ran two seasons, got canceled. They then brought, Constantine into and the same guy played him in Legends of Tomorrow. If I do, I think uh, it's Legends of Tomorrow. And so he then that way because the character, the character itself and the show actually got good reviews and was quite popular for its small dedicated fan base. It's just that small dedicated fan base, much like a lot of shows, isn't enough to carry a show on network television. It just wasn't able to do it. And that's the same thing that happened here. I I do agree that should this should this happen to see the CW and it gets sold and you know the Arrowverse and some of these other DC properties move fully to to the to the DC or to the HBO Max and what is basically the de facto DC streaming service that it, it presents some great opportunities. I, I would say it's a real opportunity to do a, a, a crisis on infinite earths. That's basically just that, um, and not connected to the other shows. I know that it worked out well. Um, it's an opportunity to maybe do another go at flashpoint. Uh, it's an opportunity to, I don't, I don't know about, I think it's weird. Is it weird for me to say that? I think that, for the big three of DC, a streaming show seems too small. Like, is that odd for me to say? No, not, not really. Where Marvel's at, considering where Marvel's at. Right. Like, and maybe it's Marvel that's conditioned me to do that because if you look at the characters that get shows, none of them, Hawkeye included, is what we would call the, the top tier, the upper echelon heroes that, that we all know and love. So... I just think it's an opportunity to, to, you know, actually wage a decent battle streaming wise um, against Disney and Marvel for HBO, especially since they've already been the ones, the ones that go like, we can, like, we're not, you know, we can stand toe to toe with them. um, And then if we get the opportunity to tell these stories as well, I mean, shit, like you said, you can tell the story of Batman and Superman and flash any way you want start over, have your pick, you know, that, that's, that's a pretty good, um, you know, starting point. Absolutely. Uh, and I think we're going to, I mean, obviously I think this is a story we're going to be following for a little bit. Uh, you know, this, this news just broke this week. I can't imagine we won't see something coming up on variety, especially if this really does gain traction. I'll just end it like this, Patrick, cause you kind of asked me if I was concerned. No, I'm actually excited. That's good. I think I think that this is an, an opportunity. So I, I think that there is reason for uh, optimism here. Dave, any last thoughts before we go to our second commercial break? As we are flying along here on the bandwagon yeah, today, I, I tend to agree with Tony that I, I don't look at it as a point of concern, as more of a an opportunity to to do some things to to do some things differently. To kind of um, you know on the streaming network, I think. Unlike where we are with the DCEU, which is all over the place, I think the streaming is kind of a, a a blank palette if they want it to be. And if they don't want it to be, they can they can continue with what they've got and refine it and, and tweak a few things. 
Um, so I, I like I like where they are in the streaming side of things, and somebody's going to pick this up and run with it. So um, whether the CW verse, the Arrowverse continues, or we get a reboot of something on HBO Max, I think it's encouraging for 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 DC as to you know where they're going with with streaming as a central focus. Absolutely, absolutely. So, all right, more on this as it develops. More on. I almost wish so. I need to see if I can reconnect with the person. Um, I do have like one connection with Warner Brothers DC people um, that uh, is really connected to fandom and seems to have the inside track on what's happening with shows. And when I talked to her the last time, she alluded that streaming seemed to be the future uh, for, for the DC shows. So not out of the realm of possibility. All right. We're going to take our second commercial break, and when we come back, we will be going into our final round of the Marvel DC Decathlon. Before we get to our recorded commercial, it is, of course, my duty to remind all of you that if you love what we do here on the Chairshot Radio Network, that you need to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Chairshot and show your support by picking up one of our mini Chairshot Radio branded shirts. Whether that is an OG Chairshot logo or one of our new logos, sayings from the show like Baron Corbin sucks, or even the shirt for this very show that I am wearing today. I am representing Bandwagon Nerds. You can't see it, but I am definitely wearing it. The shirts are only $19.99, or if you're feeling fancy want something that feels nice on your giblets, spend a few dollars more and get it soft style. We are pumping out quality content for you each and every day. And the best way that you can continue to show your support and help us keep this thing going is to get over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and pick up one of our amazing shirts. As Christopher Platt would say, please and thank you. Thank you and please. When we come back, the final round, the final two categories of the Marvel DC Decathlon. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore. Everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com And once again, for the fifth week... The competitors make their way out onto the field as we continue the Marvel DC Decathlon. And we are into the two most difficult categories to choose, gentlemen. That's right. This week, we are doing heroes versus and villains. Here, Not heroes versus villains. Heroes and villains are the usually, two categories. That's the case. It is. Heroes versus villains is usually the case. We are in a pretty lopsided affair at this point with our current tally as Marvel and DC. Uh, Marvel is in a commanding eight-point lead as we head into the decathlon, needing only two points to claim the championship. 
Will DC have something to say about that? I can tell you we're going to do villains first, and then we will do heroes last to wrap it up. Two votes have already been cast, and Mr. Platt, and Mr. Platt, oh my gosh, sorry, I'm losing my voice. Uh, on the, on too much podcasting this. for you. Too much podcasting. Um, two votes have already been cast for DC in the realm of villains. So Platt went DC? Platt, here, funny story. I in, front of DW, in front of DWI, I'm like, Platt, um, can I get your votes for the decathlon, heroes and villains? And he's like, oh, Marvel for both. And somebody else on this particular podcast talked him out of his votes. Really? Good job, Tony. And talked, and talked Christopher Platt over to the DC side for for villains. All right. This week, I will go first, followed by Dave. PC Tony will go last. And then Tony will kick off the final round, and I will go last in that one. What are you giggling about? Not the first or last time I've changed Christopher Platt's mind. You know what? Some people are just more malleable than others, and that's okay. You know, he's wishy-washy. I get it. Uh, No, I think it's more a testament to me, not him. Sure, you're 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 almost convincing. Um, you were on the show yesterday. Well, I I mean, Patrick, sure. gonna, at least DC's still alive right now, so there you go. And here's oh, the thing. Oh yeah, whatever. We all know where this fucking thing's going. I... Look at all these over there. Look at him. Look at him. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Yeah, we got him. Got him to break. All right, all right, all right. All right. Here's the thing. Um, as I sat there, both of the, this is like trying to pick your favorite kid. Like if you have more than one kid, I, I'm glad that Connor's an only child because Connor O'Dowd, it, it, he's he's the he's my favorite and my least favorite child in the family. So there's that, that works out really really well for him and not so well on other days. You got looking at Rogues Galleries. I am most connected to the Marvel Rogues Gallery because those are the comics that I've read, and so yeah, Spider-Man's. Rogues, Rogues Gallery with people like the Green Goblin, the Kingpin. You've all heard how much I love the Kingpin. Um, the you know, even, I almost said the Rhino, Doctor Octopus, the Rhino, Craven, uh, the Hunter, Venom, on and on and on. He's he's got the richest Rogues Gallery amongst the Marvel characters. And then outside of 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 Spider Man, their iconic villains. There are some really, truly iconic villains that are a part of this pantheon. Dr. Doom, I would put up there with anybody, any villain that you could throw out there as one of the all-time goats of comic book villains. Um, I, I, I make fun of him a lot, Thanos, uh, even with his stupid-ass helicopter. Magneto is another one, and that's another rogues gallery that I don't think gets enough love out of the out of the Marvel pantheon is that that x-men villain um rose gallery is really really strong with characters like magneto mystique Sabretooth, uh mr sinister apocalypse which i get it a lot of people say that's a dark side ripoff um and probably is but um you know just a, a litany of greats and then you've got the avengers villains which you know i you know Doctor Doom is one that they face, but Kang the Conqueror, one that they deal with all the time, Ultron, uh, just some who's who's. And at the end of the day, 
if I were to walk up to a random person and say, name me some comic book villains, the first villain they're going to name is the Joker. And probably the second villain they're going to name is, you know, Catwoman or the Penguin or, you know, Lex Luthor or Darkseid. Well, no one's named and, Darkseid, so they don't know comic books. True. Um, yeah, you can stop with right at, right when you right before so, whatever. I forgot what you said right before Darkseid, but you could stop right there. The only thing they know is movies well, and things of nostalgia. Well, and movies have helped the Marvel argument because that's because now people talk about how great Loki is. Nobody gave a shit about Loki until Thor. Like honestly, Thor and the Avengers. So, I. I gave my point to DC uh, because I do think it's a strong, I think the Joker, like he's always number one. Like anytime somebody thinks of a comic book villain, the Joker is number one. And so he get the uh, DC gets my point. Tony. It's me Okay. Dave. No, it's Dave. I'll say this. The MCU has made both of these categories closer than they probably otherwise should be, in in my biased opinion, because I, I yeah, DC's gonna get my point here because of the fact that I I, I mean, with the exception of Spider Man's Rogues Gallery, there and yes, Thanos notwithstanding, Magneto, Galactus, Doctor Doom is a big one, yes. Uh, once you get beyond that, then you start looking at what DC offers and Batman's rogues gallery of villains can easily match Spider-Man's and probably surpasses it. <clears throat> when you get beyond that, you've got Superman's got Lex Luthor. He's got Brainiac. You've got uh, General Zod. You know, you've got Flash with Gorilla Grodd and Captain Cold. You've got Sinestro, who's a major pain in the ass as far as the Green Lantern goes. you got Cheetah. You've got villains of godlike proportions on the DC side that just, in my opinion, overshadow what Marvel has. And yeah, the Joker really <laughs> tilts the scales significantly in DC side because he is just a transcendent type of character that when you think of chaos, you think of the Joker. So for me, yeah, it, it's DC. I love the Marvel villains. I'm not taking anything away from them, no, but no love for beyonder no love for mm. molecule. No, not, nope. real, not really, but, uh, no love you go, the living planet, no love no. for, but I mean, and, and I know Tony shat upon sure. him, but dark side is a major big bad. Oh, I didn't shit on him. Just did. I'm not at all. I'm shitting on the fact that people who never read any comic books and didn't like Patrick was talking about non fans and stuff like that. Like just the general consensus and naming off people that they could name, Dark side is not someone they would fucking know. That's all I was saying. Within the circles or being a nerd and or being on the outer skirts of it, you're gonna you're gonna come across it. You oh, can't sure. not. Sure. I forgot Marvel's trump card, you guys. I forgot it. I forgot it. Mephisto. Yeah. Done. There you go. But I I mean I mean I, you I'll know tell you what you can Mephisto. I think like DC's got some real underrated bad guys as well, like Doomsday, who killed Superman. I mean stuff like that. I, I just keep looking at. Yeah, don't back Doomsday. Sorry, you have to. Not the uh, not the shitty DCEU version. I mean, I mean the real Doomsday. So, Sh- anyway, shitty comic version. That's fine. What? Anyway, Tony, go ahead. Br- bring us home on this. Might be a clean sweep. I think. Yeah. I mean, I'll, let's just hear. I'll, I'll just 
I'll do I'll do my argument by just listing off some of the top villains in the big three for DC where my where my boat's going. Okay, we'll start with the Flash. We'll work our way up to Superman, King Shark, the Anti Monitor. What else we got? Uh, the Trickster, Savitar, Zoom, Gorilla Grodd, like you said, and and Thawne, which is one of to Happy, me is Captain my favorite. Cold, but I, I don't. I'm not a big Legends of Tomorrow fucking fan. Let's talk about from the comics, he was a major Flash villain. The guy who played Captain Cold on The Flash was excellent. I can't remember the actor's name, but he did a really good job. Um, Snart. Yeah, right? Isn't that... See, just you remembered exactly his, what his I'm talking name is about. Snart. He keeps coming back, though, Patrick. I don't know where you are in the series Snart. right now. I'm in season three still, because we started watching other stuff. He started okay. watching The Simpsons, and so that, that kind of took over. That's a very good excuse. It's not even an excuse. It's a reason. Um, let's go over to Batman. That's what I said, Your Honor. It's not an excuse. It's a reason. Uh, Joker, you said already. Bane, Riddler, Catwoman. Mr. Freeze is popular because Arnold Schwarzenegger fucking played him. Penguin, Two-Face, Mad Hatter, Harley Quinn. I mean, Killer Croc. It, the list goes on and on and on. Dave, you mentioned a couple of them as well. Deadshot. I mean, we haven't even talked about Superman yet. Possibly the greatest villain of all time in any comic book could be Lex Luthor. You could argue that, right? You said Doomsday. We talked about Darkseid. Cyborg Superman is one of the cooler storylines, I think, as well. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much what I came across there. Now, don't get me wrong. Marvel's got some really cool and interesting villains here and there, but there's none... Besides Spider-Man, like you guys said, there's a few here and there as well. You kind of seen it in the last Spider-Man movie. You had a good collection of them there. But other than that, it's just not even a competition, really. Flashes. I, mean, I would I wouldn't say that it's not a I wouldn't say it's not a competition, but I would definitely the say the DC is not. Yeah. Like I, I um, yeah, I can't I can't really like I said I can't deny uh, those characters. So. Uh, there you go. That is indeed a clean sweep for DC. Five points, meaning that they are now only down three. Marvel still looking for its elusive two points. Mr. PC Tunney, you get to kick off the hero's conversation. Does Marvel tip the scale or does DC or, or does PC do what we think and go PC slash DC? Easy DC. There you go. Um, Damn it. Um, you know, this is tougher because of, of, of recency bias, especially to me. Marvel has done such a good job of, of being the better brand over the last whatever, especially with the MCU. The MCU is just dominating, and now it's taken over streaming as well, and it's just amazing. And, and it's it's really limitless what they can do there. And hopefully DC figures it out. We kind of talked about that before with with HBO being being that player, right? And then what what's what's better for Marvel and or DC than to be going up a very good, strong story writing storytelling opponent to keep making each other better, right? It's like the Monday Night Wars, you know. Um, so I I. I'm sorry, but I'm going to say the same thing I always say. That there's Superman and Batman and everybody else, so we're going with DC on this one. Um, yeah, you. <laughs> I share a lot of Tony's sentiments here. That the the MCU really added a lot to a lot of these characters who 
were popular, but you didn't think a whole lot about them before the like Iron Man was popular, but not on this level. Captain America was popular, not on this level. Prior to the MCU, really, Spider-Man was the only one who could go toe-to-toe with the two characters who are so transcendent that they're mentioned in Eternals by name. And that's really all you have to know, that when Superman and Batman get mentioned by name in an MCU movie, that really tells you that they are on a different level entirely. And I, I really think that, yeah, I mean, you got Superman and Batman are the big two. And I think part of the reason why the DCEU has not hit with people is because those are your foundations. And when you get those foundations wrong, like the Snyderverse kind of did, then everything else, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that they got Wonder Woman right or Aquaman pretty right or hit Shazam perfectly. The fact is, when you your foundation is faulty, like it was, arguably, then you've got a problem there. But... Yeah, I mean, when you when you look at it, and it's Superman and Batman and the yin and the yang of just kind of what you look at as far as superheroes are concerned, then you add in Wonder Woman, you add in Flash, you add in Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, um, stuff like that. Yeah, to me, Marvel's got Spider-Man, which I would put on the same level as the other guys, and then a notch below that, you got the Iron Mans, you got the Thors, you got the Captain Americas, and the Guardians, and but that is all... You remove the MCU, and I, I'm, I'm taking a much broader perspective and looking at everything, taking everything into consideration. You can't just isolate it and say the MCU, because that that's an easy way out. But well, you know, the funny thing is, is before the MCU, it, it wasn't really even. It was Spider Man and Hulk were the Hulk, biggest, and Hulk popular. way to a lesser extent than Spider Man. But I mean, Hulk was was way above everybody else that you're talking about, though, before that, just because of the the TV series and things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, I I think the X-Men were really up there as well. But I just I can't, you know, when Superman and Batman overpower just about everything, in my opinion, and really are, are, are on a different level entirely than anybody else, with the possible exception of Spider Man. So, yeah, DC gets my vote as well. I'm sure Patrick's saying something good, but I can't hear him. Oh, so. boy. If we can't hear Patrick, I feel like uh, at least one of, of the next votes are going to D.C. and this thing's over. Uh, <laughs> as expected, as expected, Dave and Tony voting uh, D.C. As expected, Patrick O'Dowd is, of course, casting his vote for Marvel. And here's why it will always be Marvel for me. I... Don't relate. You, you don't like us? No, I don't. I, I have never connected to a, a DC hero. Like, I, and, and this is for me as a reader. And, and it's no secret that, you know, Peter Parker and Spider Man is my favorite hero of all time. But one of the things that has always made Marvel special to me, and the reason why I like them, and, you know, you can argue powers and where they are. And I would also point out, the Captain America shield has been a major part of popular culture for decades. The Spider-Man, you know, character, yes, is the most popular character in, in the Marvel pantheon. The X-Men have been huge for, for quite some time, but really gained some traction. Yes. In the nineties with the cartoon. And then of course the movies that, you know, Brian Singer put out, but the reason I've always like I've always gravitated to Marvel characters because they they've always felt more grounded in the world that I live in. Whether that's because they take place in New York City, whether it's 
that, you know, Peter Parker's a teenager with problems, whether it's the Fantastic Four and dealing with all of these familial problems in addition to saving and protecting the world. Reed Richards burdened with the guilt of the mistakes that he made. Like, I am fucking, like, I I carry guilt over some of the most minor uh, of of infractions, and you know, and you know, obviously, it's a superhero level problem for for Reed Richards, you know, when when you consider the guilt he carries for Ben Grimm, and and that to me has always been why I I've liked them. It's why I've always found them to be more compelling characters, and it's why I find the 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 brand and the heroes there to be superior. I can't relate to Batman, a rich guy with daddy issues. I can't relate to Superman and and an orphan from from another world that is literally a god, like he's literally a god. Like you, like you brought up the Doomsday like kill thing. He was risen from the dead. Like he didn't die. Nobody stays he, dead. He never really died. His vital signs slowed down considerably. But anyway, there go ahead. You go. So didn't die. Uh, you just you made the case even worse. But that's okay. Um, you know, I just, I still remember like there was a moment where Superman blew out a star and to like save or like, like it was a candle. What's that? That star had it coming. I I guess so. Um, and, and that's just always been the thing for me. And, and Lois Lane doesn't ground Superman the way that people want to, want to think it does. Being an orphan doesn't ground Superman. His, you know, he was raised by two wholesome parents and it was, it was great. And, and so, yeah, I'm sorry, but like, sorry, not sorry. That's what tipped the scales for me is that like, like as characters and as people, um, you know, and, and it's not to say that there haven't been DC characters that haven't had problems. Um, you know, one of them was a heroin addict or something. Uh, if I do recall, Speedy. you know, Tony Stark though had his demon in the bottle sort of story. And I, I don't know. It's just, it's always been more relatable and something I could connect to. And that's why Marvel has always been my, my go-to. And it's why I like their heroes far more than I have, than I have ever liked any of the wonderful characters on the DC side of the house. So yeah. you're voting by a preference, not, not like actual. And I think they tell, I think they're better characters. I think they're better stories. That's fine. There, yeah, no big, there's no question that Marvel wins as far as street level characters go, because really what's DC got other than Batman and green arrow. And, and then everybody else on the DC side is very much uh, on a, I mean, it, you could equate it to the cosmic heroes of, of Marvel. They're, they're more godlike. Superman is very godlike. Wonder Woman's very godlike eh, flash. Not so much. Yeah, but. But, if you, but if you look at like, if you look at like flash, these are all normal people that they weren't born superheroes. You know what I'm saying? They still, right. They, they, they still have the, they still have the experiences of being a normal person. It's not like your argument towards Superman, Patrick. So, I mean, at the same time, they can empathize on a, on a, on an actual realistic level as to what's happening. So they still feel the guilt and, and, and the anticipation and, and the apathy and things of that nature. That's fair. And that compelling argument was enough to shift Christopher Platt over to voting for DC. Ah, Which means that this all hinges on what Ray Cash told me or us in the chat for his hero vote. 
Wait, wait. So Platt, Platt went DC for Heroes and Villains? I changed his mind on both. God, you were the man, Tony. You made this closer than it otherwise should have been. But which, go ahead. Special, go ahead, need, Pat. You reveal. Ever, you ever need special... If you ever need special counsel for a trial, Dave, I'm available. Thank you. I'll give you a, give you a reasonable rate. So as I said, this all then hinges on the vote of one Raymond S. Cashington Esquire the third. I feel like the studio audience is going to cheer him for some reason on these votes. And Ray cast his vote for drumroll, please. For Dolly, and we have a tie. Yes. Marvel Comics. That's right. Ray Cash cast his vote for Marvel. Ergo, the final score in a nail biter is Marvel 26, DC 24. And that, oh. my friends, is a hella close result for the Marvel DC Decathlon. That was a lot closer um, than I thought it would be, to be honest with you, which is nice, which is fine, which is a good job, which means, you know, the next time we do this, we can sell it for even more money to a network, considering the ratings when we keep things close, you know, and a series gets out of hand, game gets out of hand, people stop listening. Um, I I feel like good the booking, overall guys. sentiment. Yeah, good booking. Way to go, Patrick. You're, you're the next AM. Um I feel like the overall sentiment, though, is like nostalgically and an overall story arc from the top of the top DC, you know, that they have it there. But everything else, along with recency, like from the 90s of X-Men moving in towards like now the MCU and then streaming on Disney, like Marvel is just right there and maybe even surpassed them a little bit as far as the here and now as opposed to the overall. So very fun conversation. I'll just say, I feel lucky to have both of them, right? My preference right. for oh, the other it doesn't mean it doesn't mean, okay. So it doesn't mean Dave and I obviously don't enjoy Marvel and it doesn't mean Patrick doesn't enjoy things from DC either. So that's just, yeah, it's just a fun way to, yeah, see, that's fine. You can be like that. We'll, we'll just also, well, Dave and I will just concede that we enjoy Marvel and you can be like you are and we'll move on. I am. I'm a curmudgeon. I I'm admitted curmudgeon. I love the. Uh, I, I mean, it, it was great to do it. I mean, there were some surprises along the way, and, and that's for sure. A few places, but I, I think it's important just to run through it, just because the 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 bandwagoners out there are going to say this is no contest. It's Marvel all the way. But when you really break it down into these little compartmentalized things and take a broader look at things. Um, then you realize that it's a lot closer than, than you would otherwise think that. And like Tony saying, recency bias would just say, Oh, it's Marvel. And there is no comparison, but it's really not. I mean, they're, they're a lot closer than you think. And that's been the way for what? 50, 60, 70 years. So um, it, it was, a, it was a fun project. Well-earned victory for Marvel by the narrow. That was a hell of a rally there. You know, that was like giving up that but four to one come- lead in the third period or something. So. Oh, look at you. It was three to one. And go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> how'd you guys do against the Blues again? I forgot. Hey, we scored on ourselves last <laughs> night, so that's a true accomplishment. <laughs> Way to go! Anyway, and none of that. Um, none of that matters. It's coming. Right. Oh, we uh, we actually we. If you listen to Hockey Talk, you will hear us talk about your Tampa Bay Lightning and how the Cup still runs through Tampa Bay. Anyway, um. 
Yeah, I I really had a lot of fun with this, and I know that uh, quite a few of my votes probably were on the on the side of surprising you with where I went. Just um, I think I am a Marvel guy, but I also think that for the most part, I try to take a, a reasonable, rational look at, at each of these categories and try to be very intentional with it. Like I, I think I go back to I think my favorite example was the television and streaming. Um, what I voted for for DC, uh, and I and I think that it was a relatively easy vote for me to make because when you look at kind of the body of work, I think the hardest two categories were these last two because some of it is our preference and what what connects us. And you know, I, I look at it this way because like Tony, you're you're a huge fan of the Flash, like from from the Flash show, but you've talked about that character and how you connected with that character in that show and how much you've enjoyed with it. And that's the same thing with me and Spider-Man. Like that, that is why I, I love that particular character. Uh, and then, you know, that is what brings you to then embrace other parts of the universe, like that, that whole pantheon or that universe. Like that's why I know more about Marvel comics because Spider-Man led me to make mine Marvel. And so I, that those are the characters I found compelling and that I stuck with. So it was a lot of fun. Is there any way, because I think, oh my goodness, wow, he's going to go all the way for a touchdown. That's pretty cool. Um, is there any way, as we record on a Sunday, week 18 of the NFL, um, is there is there any way that DC could get away with, well, they can get away with it. Obviously, they probably couldn't call it what if, but but there's some interesting what if things on the DC side you could also do that, that would be really cool that they could pick up in a form or fashion. And I don't think... Even I don't even think the strict Marvel people who despise DC would be opposed to that because I think they know the storylines in DC as well and would like to see of them explored in different fashions, you know. Well, like um, uh, Red Sun Superman is a what if? What if Superman crashed in Russia instead of Kansas? You know, there's a whole episode there that's well, is, is what if, the Justice what if, video game story yep. arc basically a well, what if, if? Yep. What if him and Batman didn't? Mom didn't have the same name, and he killed Super, and he killed Batman. <laughs> Why did you say that? Name? Why do you have to go there, Tony? He, you're doing so well up until then. I'm sorry. I still love well, you. Well, all right. Well, let's let's head into Patrick's pitch, which still has the Patrick has a question music to it. Is mayonnaise an instrument? What a go jellyfishing! What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is? All right, so I actually have the pitch this week um, because I shared a couple of trailers with uh, the group that I didn't put in the trailer park. I didn't think we'd have enough time to cover it. And, and frankly... Um, trying to gauge uh, our group's interest in, in these particular uh, films. I wasn't sure where to go, but um, coming next week on Apple plus TV is a, uh, or the Apple plus streaming service is a um, new visualization of Shakespeare's, the tragedy of Macbeth uh, with uh, Denzel Washington in the lead role and is loaded with a star studded cast. I love good retellings of, of Shakespeare, uh, as an English major, that was just always a big thing. Uh, and this is a, if you have this subscription service and, and Shakespeare is something that you dig, I, I would strongly recommend giving it a look cause it looks amazing. It's filmed in black and white. Uh, but if it's your thing, and I think Frank Francis McDermott 
is uh, Lady Macbeth. Uh, it's it's a pretty strong, strong cast doing some Shakespeare. So if Shakespeare is your thing, I highly recommend you checking it out. The other thing, I don't usually advocate. Oh, go What's ahead. It? What streaming is that on? Because I've seen them. Apple. Okay. All, right. Apple. All right. All right. I, I, yeah, I know. I. I I was not an it had no zero plans to become an English major um you know in, in yeah in college uh but I but I did take uh uh AP American literature in high school so I I, I have a fairly uh decent respect for for what you're talking about in the stories from William Shakespeare so this could be interesting I've seen the previews so I might have to check it out as well so please let me know what you think because you'll probably start it before me. Absolutely. The other thing that I wanted to pitch, and this is, uh, I don't normally advocate, because everybody knows that Paradise is a renowned cheap uh, When we do like nerd review, the movie reviews, Dave sometimes will suggest a movie, and I'll be like, is it free to stream somewhere? And if Dave says no, I'm usually like, well, not doing that. Yeah, I, I'd follow that line, though, too, because there's so much free out there, you know? Right. Well, today I'm going to pitch something that would cost you four dollars and ninety nine cents to watch on streaming on Amazon Prime because it's a um, it's actually a preview before it gets released on theaters. And this is the other trailer that I shared in the DMs. And it's a documentary. Uh, It's titled Brian Wilson, Long Promised Road. And for those of you who don't know who Brian Wilson is, Brian Wilson is the the mind and the creative genius behind the music by the Beach Boys. And famously suffered a a nervous breakdown, um, was manipulated by a psychiatrist, was basically imprisoned in his own home. And this documentary is following him and is told in his own words. Uh, And it is him, I do believe, traveling with, I think it's like his grandson uh, or somebody related to him, I think the director. Uh, And they visit all these different places in his life and you get to see it's a, it's a very um, intimate glimpse into what life is still like for, for Brian Wilson. And uh, we had a, we had a guy on our show a while back, a year or so plus now, Jim Ryan, who's a a writer for um, a couple of online uh, publishers. And he's interviewed Brian a couple of times and he's described the experience of watching this documentary is very similar to what it was like to interview Brian Wilson because he comes and he goes so many times um, through his different like waves of, of depression and and just his 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 challenges and his anxiety and uh, the people they got for this documentary for for interviews is is quite the list Nick Jonas uh, Elton John Bruce Springsteen Linda Perry some some really really great musicians. Um, his brother, Dennis Wilson, um, Jacob Dylan, Bob Dylan's kid, um, just a lot of really big time names. And I, I think it's a compelling watch. I'm going to watch it tonight after, after we finish the podcast. So that's, that's my pitch for a, uh, a couple of movies that are coming out or are already out that might be worth your time. If it's your thing, Dave appears to have frozen. Dave, are you still there? I am here. Let me fix that. Tony is now the only one in the chat. Dave has re-entered the chat. Tony's there. It's, Tony, I know you're not going to spend 4.99. I don't know that this is necessarily. No, you know what? I 
I would spend four ninety nine if it was something that I was interested in. Um, it sounds interesting, but I'm not interested in said gentleman or or their music is not really one of my favorite um, bands. Even though I can respect the fact that people like it, it's art. So one out of two, you got me. There you go, Dave. Your thoughts either on Brian Wilson or Shakespeare? Uh, I mean, I I like. I think I like reading Shakespeare more than watching it. So I'd be kind of lukewarm on that, which I know makes me weird, but, but isn't that here, but like, look at it a different way though. I, I always, when I, cause I like enjoyed very much. So the way you interpret it on your own, just reading everybody reading the same print, right? The words interpreting them the way you think it happened. I look at it differently when I watch it and it go, okay, maybe I know this is a, better look into that person who's creating this for me and the way they interpret it on the print. Yeah. I mean, and Shakespeare is certainly one of those works of literature that is subject to varying interpretations, depending on your, you know, your personal perspective. Um, the Brian Wilson thing that, yeah, that would interest me a little bit. I, I think I, 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 you know, if I wasn't so busy watching like Cobra Kai and everything else, I'd be like, I'm going to make time to, to do this but yeah right now I'm, I'm focused we're folk we i should say my wife and i are focused on getting through season four and uh and that sort of thing but yeah i mean it, it sounds like an interesting show someday we're going to do another we're going to do another music-based episode so that i can um explain to you all how important brian wilson is to the music you listen to today because the things that he did in a recording studio uh for pet sounds in particular were revolutionary at the time and his competition the boys competition with Beatles uh they were both very very much aware of each other as as bands and their attempts to one-up each other with what they were doing musically is is nothing short of of genius and so yeah Brian Wilson's right up there with uh, Brian Wilson the Beach Boys are right up there with Queen for me um when it comes to artists and musicians you think the Beach Boys are better than the Beatles no um, no, but okay. we're going to oh, That's all I needed. We can move on, but it's different. I mean, like for me growing up, the beach boys played the uh, mall in Washington, DC every 4th of July. So, I mean, like the, <laughs> you've got to let him explain that. Look, it looks like he feels like you've got a fart, but he doesn't want to cause it's not a first date. It's going to be it's loud. Apples, it's apples and pomegranates really to wear. Like, the thing, the thing that's really interesting about the Beach Boys that I, I that I legitimately wonder is what they would have been. They're they're um, trying to think of a, a way to compare this with wrestling. They're a band that, while great, you wonder what they would have been had Brian Wilson not broken down. Uh, yeah, and I had to respect down. Like he was doing things like the Beatles talk about what he was doing in a studio before his breakdown. And we're jealous. Like that's that's like how good they like Paul McCartney speaks very highly of Brian Wilson. Um, John Lennon, George Harrison, like all of them. And that's not and but and I and I'm saying this as a guy who for that ten that decade of the Beatles, like you can't argue that decade of work. Like you can't they felt the same way about Bob Dylan and the Rolling Stones and 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 a, a lot of other people too. So it's not like they Eric Clapton. I mean, they were friend the beat that's something that that's another kudos for the Beatles. Is they they literally were rocking out and hanging out and jam session and visiting and talking and being friends with everybody. 
I mean, yeah, I just have never heard them talk about a lot of those other bands in the same way. Like the Rolling Stones. You need to watch the nine hours that are available to you on I'm, Disney Plus, and you'll know exactly I'm what I'm say, talking I'm about. I'm not saying that they don't, didn't love and respect them as musicians. I'm just, I hear you. And yeah. I'm not disputing the Beatles. I'm, like, I'm sitting on the Beach Boys. I'm sorry. What's that? I'm shitting on the Beach Boys. I'm, I'm sorry. not shitting on. Oh, you're shitting on the Beach Boys. I was like, I'm not shitting on the Beatles. Um, Dave, I'm sorry, we cut you off. No, no, I was just saying how the Beach Boys were a major part of where I grew up because they played the uh, the mall in D.C. every Fourth of July. So every Fourth of July, the Beach Boys played the Washington Monument, and um, like the biggest crowd I've ever been in was when the Beach Boys played and Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin joined them on. There's a million people. <laughs> out there for that thing it's, it's nuts. yeah that was crazy so yeah i mean i i always really liked the beach boys i mean i i couldn't put them on the same level as the beatles but it, it really like you're saying apples and pomegranates that's that's a really distinct different comparison to make between those two bands there's a lot of what could have been with the beach boys so all right Excellent conversations today, guys. Uh, really appreciated wrapping up the the Marvel and DC decathlon. And I promise to do better with The Witcher next week. Um, but that is going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Uh, before we get out of here, let's do our quick once around. We'll start this week with David Ungar. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. And on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. DC fans, remember to send your hate tweets to at It's Ray Cash. So, you know. At right, the deciding right, vote. Right, Tony? Uh, he was I guess. I like them to send it to Ed. It's me, DPP. Yeah, that works too. Tony, where can they find you, my friend? You can find me at PC Tunny on Twitter and Facebook. Please continue to listen to everything Chair Shot Radio Network. You never know when you may find an impromptu conversation about sports entertainment or sports entertainment. That's what we do here at thechairshot.com. And you can follow me at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T on the Twitter. Also, be sure to follow Bandwagon Nerds, the show on Twitter as well, at Bandwagon Nerds, as we have been putting out polls for every one of these uh, topics for the Marvel slash DC decathlon. And Marvel has already won in the eyes of the fans with this week. They got another clean sweep, which puts them at at (laughs) 6-2. Uh, uh, well of uh, course get the final tally with heroes and villains this week villains will go out monday heroes will go out on wednesday also be sure to catch nerd reviews dave and i are currently covering the book of boba fett dave's having an okay time i am having a less okay time tony is loving it because he said as he said to me earlier this weekend yay star wars Yay, Star Wars! There we go. All right. That's going to do it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed listening to this. Now get yourself out of the basement. Get some sun and maybe shovel your damn driveway. There's a lot of snow out there. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been the most beautiful audience. Remember to toss a coin if you can. If anyone needs me, I'll be at the bar. What for do you It's the point of no return 
Nothing we did, we saw You turned your back on me What for? first came to us we thought that people would come and take you away because when they found out you know the things you could do and it worried us a lot but then a man gets older and he thinks very differently and things get very clear and there's one thing i do know son and that is you are here for a reason i don't know whose reason whatever the reason is you know maybe it's because um, i don't know what's uh, but I do know one thing. It's not to score touchdowns. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dad. 